Hello and welcome back to 20 Minutes of the Text, Seeing Christ in the Text. Um, my name is Mason and I am joined, as always, by my friend... Andrew, Andrew. welcome. Uh, so we like to mark history in, in, these, in these segments. Uh, Absolutely. What, uh, you're, all, you're all dressed up today. Uh, is, I'm all dressed up today. What, uh, what's going on in your life? Um, well, today we just got done with worship this morning. So our Wednesday worship with communion. So uh, that's why I'm dressed up today. Uh, for those of you listening that have no idea that I'm dressed up today, yeah. um, it doesn't matter. It is week one at Concordia Seminary. So um, learning uh, to make adjustments for uh, full-time student and part-time worker as mm. opposed to full-time worker, part-time student managing those vocations, but hard to believe we're into the month of September in 2020. Um, getting close gone. to the end. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, which is Wait, good. Make a turn. Yeah, but I was listening to a podcast recently, totally off topic here, um, that was recorded uh, approaching New Year's 2020. Mm. And they were uh, kind of rehashing 2019 and looking ahead with hopeful anticipation for 2020 the, the, the clear and vision 2020 yeah. just uh very uh, just otherworldly to be listening to that in august of 2020 um, because it's been a long year yeah i um my i had my first preaching class this week yeah not my first ever uh had no fear people um my first preaching class of the semester and uh my professor encouraged us all to go back and listen to uh our sermons from Vicarage, uh, primarily to see what sort of Christians we formed in our preaching, which I thought was very interesting. But I decided to start with, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and start with this, the first sermon I preached during COVID. Mm. And man, did I like look like more alive. <laughs> and I, I think I was just very hopeful that this was going to be a one to two month thing. And it was going to, yeah, you know, it was going to get a, under control, but uh, no, no, we're we still, still in the midst of it. So, yeah. saw a really great COVID mask that had Martin Luther's seal on it and said, Here I stand. And the Martin Luther quote, Here I stand, I can do no other. Um, and so, on the one side, it said, Here I stand. And then on the other side, it, it said, You stand over there. It was very clever. Yeah. Um, so, if you're ever on Etsy or wherever that happened to be, um, you know, you just mail it to the church and uh, with my name on it. I would oh. be greatly appreciative. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Let's so get today, down to business, Mason. Yeah. That's enough. So enough today, uh, today we're going to be continuing on with our um, our segment of uh, seeing Christ in the text by looking at confirmation verses, specifically the confirmation verses of our, uh, our upcoming confirmands, right? It's been a great ride so far. Yes, it's been some really, really great verses. So uh, last week we looked at Zephaniah, and this week we will be looking at 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Um, it's sort of the middle of a thought. Mm -hmm. um, so 1 Peter 5, 7 is casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, yeah. just a little background on uh, 1 Peter. Uh, it is It was written around uh, 67 AD. So if you think about it, um, very, very soon after. Uh, the events of the of the absolute passion um <clears throat> it is argued who the author is mm. now everyone um says the author is the namesake of the the letter so peter uh the apostle but some people say that the 
uh, Greek that was used in writing the letter was sort of upper echelon Greek, mm. and Peter was, you know, sort of a fisherman. Uh, so they didn't think that he would know that sort of. Uh, some scholars say um, I do believe in the in the authorship of Peter. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll stick with that. Maybe he had a great editor. Possibly, yeah. Some yeah. people, some a people benefactor. have scribes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Paul had a scribe. Yeah, so um, I don't think it's, it's out of the ordinary. Take his fisherman Greek and make it sound presentable to educated yes, people. right, right. Today we use Grammarly. Yes, you know, right. Or and let a robot do it. If, if I write a letter, I, um, I send it to uh, a friend or I even send it to our, um, our communications director, Lisa, yeah. because she's a copy editor. And she makes me sound, you know, intelligent. She, she takes our, yeah, our babbling and yeah. turns it into a, a a product that people want to read. Yes, exactly. Which so is good. It's not it's not out of the ordinary um, uh, for for there to be a scribe, possibly. So we're going to stick with the authorship of Peter. Now, um, <clears throat> Peter is writing to, and this is uh, this is Luther who says this. Uh, Peter is writing to uh, a heathen audience, right? So. Um, and I think that comes out in just the message of Peter. Um, there's a lot of focus on the suffering of Christ mm -hmm. and then how that will, in many ways, um, uh, connect to the suffering of the, of the Christian life Yeah, and how those two are connected. And so sort of a brief rundown of, of 1 Peter. There, there is only five chapters. Um, so 1 Peter 1, um, Peter talks about divine promise and the power of salvation mm. to come. So in a, a lot of times uh, on this uh, this both podcast and video, we've talked about the now, not yet. Yes. Um, so there's salvation now in baptism, and yet the fullness of salvation coming when Christ comes again. Yeah, we've been born again into a living hope, one that is sure right. and alive, but pointing us towards its final consummation. Exactly, yes. And then in 1 Peter 2, um, that really uh, is talking about... Um, there's this um, this push for Christ as head and cornerstone, mm -hmm. and Peter is exhorting uh, the people to offer themselves as priests to God, just as Christ offered himself, both as priest and as sacrifice. So again, you're starting to see sort of, um, so we have salvation. Now, our, our suffering, um, our sacrifice is sort of united to Christ's suffering and sacrifice. Absolutely. And then in chapter three, uh, he sort of does a little jog and talks about um, uh, he's teaching wives about obedience and holiness. Now this is sort of like this is sort of you know sort of popped in there in the middle, but yes. it's it makes sense because he's specifically talking to uh, to wives to be obedient and holy when married to heathen husbands. So yes. it makes sense why he writes about it, right? Absolutely. Because he's writing to a heathen audience. So it's a great witness opportunity for those those Christian women as well who have the opportunities to speak grace and speak Christ in their homes. Correct. Um, when when they are living with and married to and unbelievers. Yeah, exactly. So and, in many ways, they're, uh, when Peter's talking about obedience and holiness, it, it isn't, you know... Um, you better do what your husband says. Exactly. Yeah. Is it this, it's the sort of, um, as our society today talks about, sort of the oppression of the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. It's obedience and holiness to, to God and to Christ. Right. And exactly what you said, so that those people can be light and witness mm -hmm. to uh, 
um, their husbands. And it, worth noting, anytime you get into this conversation, that those exhortations to, to women uh, and wives are always repeated in the text to the husbands as well. Exactly. That uh, it's not just a wife's job to be obedient to her husband and to God, but yeah. it's, it's a command. Uh, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman, right? And uh, how we, we are called as men, as husbands in that case, to love and honor their wives as God loves and honors us as his church. So just worth noting yeah, uh, that, that it is, um, you know, specifically we've got some conversations with women, but, but uh, the husbands here in, in chapter three are, are still uh, asked to show similar love and honor to their spouse. It's, yeah, well, I could get into a longer conversation about that, but that's yeah. what we're going today. Yeah. Um, so chapter four, so we, have, so we have salvation to come, um, offering yourself as a sacrifice, um, what it means to be an obedient and holy wife and husband. Mm -hmm. um, and then chapter four teaches uh, the people how to subdue the flesh with sobriety and watchfulness, temperance and prayer, and to find comfort in the sufferings of Christ. So that's sort of a major theme, finding yeah. co comfort in the sufferings of Christ and sort of um, yeah, disciplining the body. Uh, and, and that becomes important. Uh, we'll touch on that later down yeah. the road, why it is important to be watchful yeah, um, and to keep and, this. You know, the, the last uh, verse of chapter four, right? Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Right. right? So yeah, these right. sufferings are going to happen, but that doesn't mean, you know, God has left. Yes. You know, God is still your creator and, and we remain faithful to him. Um, while while continuing to do good, yeah, to follow him and do that, and uh, yeah, and then leading us into chapter five, yeah, which yeah, so chapter five, where our where our verse today um, is encapsulated, um, he Peter is writing to, um, he's exhorting bishops and priests as to how they are to live and tend the people. Mm -hmm. Now I think just just to to clarify. I still think that this is a good confirmation verse. Absolutely. Even if it's written originally to bishops and priests, because the point of Peter exhorting bishops and priests to live a certain way in chapter five is so that the people will live that same way, right? Yeah. So, and if, if you want to take to heart uh, chapter two, that, that we are a nation of priests, right. that we are a holy people, right. um, Luther speaks of husbands and wives as priests in their homes. Right. We are yoked to our neighbor, like it or not. Mm -hmm. So there are, no matter how old you are, no matter what station in life you are, what vocation you have, you are responsible in some way, person to person, to be a priest and to be um, a caregiver for your neighbor. Right. And so we're all responsible for somebody and we're all responsible for one another. And so it's certainly fitting for us to hear this regardless of our vocations um, as that way. So do you mind if I just read uh, yeah, the verse? Yes, so please. I'm going to read from 1 Peter 5. I'm going to read 6, 7, and 8. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So verse seven again, um, you may have heard it this way, cast all your cares or casting your anxieties on him 
because he cares for you. Yeah. So in many ways, uh, I see this, these three verses coupled together as, and this is uh, a very much a simplification. Okay. Um, I see it as law, mm-hmm. gospel, mm-hmm. sanctification, mm-hmm. or law again, mm-hmm. right? The good law. The old gospel all, all sandwich. Good, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So the, the, the good's in the middle. Uh, so we start with verse six. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean when Peter writes about humbling oneself? Why would one need to humble themselves? What what would cause someone to humble themselves? Yeah, I mean, our sinful nature demands it of us, right? What is our first commandment? We should fear, love, and trust in God right. above all things. Yeah. You know, and so I think the the proper stance of a Christian is one of humility, exactly, all the time, right before God. Yeah, yeah, especially. Right. And I think that's that's the um, I I can't remember what um, I was when I preached on transfiguration uh, when you know Peter, James, and John fall on their faces when Jesus mm-hmm. is transfigured. Right, it is coming into contact with the divinity in full force. It's right? Thomas. When Jesus appears to, to him that week, eight days after the resurrection, and he falls on his feet, my Lord and my God. Right. Yeah. I am a sinner. It's uh, Old Testament prophets over and over, you know, um, you know, I'm unworthy to be in your presence. Right. Um, I'm a Moses. man of unclean lips. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is what, you know, God is calling us to say as leaders, as bishops, as fathers, brothers, neighbors. Understand your position as a creation, as a creature of an all-powerful creator. And and we we own that position of of sinner in need of a savior. Yeah. So it's sort of, um, I suppose, when I say law here, I I think it's just the the law working, right? Yeah. The reason why we humble ourselves, the reason that that we... that we sort of fall at God's feet is because we come in contact with the holiness of God and the law, you know, written on our hearts is very much working in us to see that is holy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. falling on our face. Um, so humble yourselves under, the, under the, the mighty hand of God, the mighty power of God. So at the proper time, mm. he may exalt you. Now, I suppose then it begs the question, when is the proper time? Yeah. And do we know? Probably not. No, I think, yeah. I mean, now right. is the proper time. Yeah. Right? It is good and right and salutary that we, you know, in your liturgy. Right. Right? Um, the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? We, we are living in the kingdom of God. Jesus brought the kingdom of God to us. And uh, we humble ourselves because God is, is present. Yeah. Right. God is with us, and so we have to acknowledge that His presence here um, is the kingdom of God, and so we humble ourselves. Um, yeah, and at the at the proper time. So if you have a um, if you have a Lutheran study Bible at home, um, you know a lot of what we do here, what we discuss, is, is aided by that. Mm-hmm. The Lutheran study Bible puts it in the note uh, of this verse is the proper time is uh, when it's it. What, what do they say? It says, when it fits God's mm. purpose and benefits others or ourselves. 
that's the proper time. Was first and foremost when when God says yes, yeah, and it's going to to help others and possibly ourselves, right? Um, so that's that's the but it, most of the time it is now, yeah. right? Yeah. God's working now; it's is in the present, right? So that's the proper time. So that's verse six. You sort of have the working of the law there, mm -hmm. which then uh, again when we read verse seven, it was sort of this leads into sort of this next thought. So you have sort of the humbling yourself, mm -hmm. right? The sort of recognizing of your unholiness. And then then Peter sort of, uh, I don't want to say punches you with the gospel because that seems forceful, but maybe he, com he comforts you with the gospel when he yeah. says, cast your anxieties on him uh, because he cares for you, or casting your anxieties on him uh, because he cares for you. I like um, the translation here of, of casting, mm. right? I always grew up, cast your anxieties on him. Like a, mm. like a you, cast your anxieties on him. That's a law statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, just, yeah, it's the do. Yeah, you know, where this, it's this understanding of uh, almost you are casting your anxieties on him, right? Um, because he cares for you. And it's interesting, I know that, we're getting to this idea of, of this transferring of cares to one another. Um, we spoke uh, a few episodes ago of the yoke that Jesus gives with us, that he carries our burdens with us. And it's that same thing that, you know, Christ is almost pulling our cares and our anxieties from us. Right? And when we humble ourselves before God, we see he doesn't, you know, put his thumb down on us and say, yeah, eat dirt. Right. Instead, he he picks us up and he he takes the things that are humbling us from us. Right. And he replaces it with with his righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. It is that that um, and comfort that trans that that transfer. I looked up the because I was interested in sort of what it means to, to the cast. So I looked it up in the Greek because um, uh, Jesus is cast out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. thrown out, ekbalo. I wanted to see if that was the same word. It's not. And it is, it, it more means this, it's not just like, take them, see you later. Yeah. But it is this more, at least the lexicon, the sort of book I was reading, does talk about that, that is the transfer. Mm -hmm. And that that's why the anxiety is, because the thing is, is that if we're just throwing our anxiety away, we're just emptying ourselves, right? Yeah. When what's to come, but more anxiety, unless Absolutely. something is filled, unless something fills us, yeah. that's the importance of the transfer. We're throwing our anxieties, and Jesus is washing us with His grace and His comfort, yeah. and His forgiveness. Yeah. So, what do we what do we mean? What do you mean? What does Peter mean when he talks about these anxieties? What are these things? Is there a limit to to what Christ takes from us? Is there a limit to what we can yeah. offer to God and ask Him to? To take away or to care for us. So I looked up this word in Greek too because I was just now I'm now that I'm back in seminary. Yeah, so it feels like I have to look up Greek for everything. Um, it was very broad, and it's understanding and it's especially the the lexicon I was working with. It, it is just um, it's small anxieties, small um, what did I say here? A uh, small worries, small cares, and large ones. Mm -hmm. From the uh, so I you know as I sort of as I was thinking about it, it's like from the um, the sort of worried at the fact that like um, I'm going to be late 
story of my life. Connect that today. Yeah. To sort of the a, a grander worry of you know what's what is what's God going to what's God going to do with my life after seminary? Yeah. That's a big worry, right? That's yeah. a big anxiety. So I think it's purposefully broad. Yeah. Which helps us. I think. Perhaps even all the way to I, a poor miserable sinner, have yeah. no ability to save myself. Exactly. And yeah. yet. That is met with a beautiful statement um, that he, being Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, being uh, our Trinitarian God, cares for you. Yeah. He cares for me. Mm. Cares for you. It's a very simple statement. Yeah. There's a lot there, though. Yeah. I. There wasn't really much in the, I think, commentary of yeah. the Lutheran Study Bible, the notes. Did it have a cross-reference to Psalm 40, verse 17? As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. Mm. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. So uh, the Lord takes thought for me. I remember uh, listening to a sermon in college when uh, there was a, a book written by Father Romano Cesario. I can still remember the name. And he writes... Um, why does Jesus hang on the cross for so many hours? Why does it take so long for Jesus to die? And Father Cesario's thought is because it gave him enough time to think of every single one mm. of you. I thought that was very impactful. So we are poor and needy that the Lord takes thought of us. Absolutely. We are, we are on his mind, on his heart, purposefully, being acted on behalf of for all of eternity. Right. Right. And, you know, for, for those of you listening and watching who, who have children of your own, you can certainly, I think it's hard to, to read a passage like this and not consider your own experience with children. Or if you are a child of someone, yeah. you know, which we all biologically are, mm-hmm. you know, are taken to those moments of when you when you experienced the care that your parents had for you. Mm. And even that falls short to the care that, that Christ has yeah. for you and for me yeah. because he does it perfectly. Yeah. And that's and that's why we can cast our cares on him our anxieties on him because he cares for us so much so that he gave up everything for you and for me. Yeah. And now that we have that, you know, there's this call to continue to be, be sober, be watchful because of the fact that the Lord's taken our anxieties and giving us his blessing and his love and his forgiveness. Yet um, until we reach that time where the fullness of salvation comes into effect, the devil is still prowling around like a, a roaring lion mm-hmm. seeking someone to devour. And so now that we have been justified, given eternal life, uh, we're being called to continue to be sober-minded and watchful of the fact that we've cast our anxieties and we've received forgiveness, but that doesn't mean that through life anxieties are going to come and chase us down again. It doesn't mean that the devil is going to try to work himself to the bone to, yeah. to continue to try to um, 
uh, so in anxiety in our lives. So we need to, we need to continue to remember our baptism, uh, to continue to, to, to hear his word, um, continue to re receive his sacrament, um, so that uh, we can stand firm in faith. Mm -hmm. Knowing that uh, the anxieties that we cast on Jesus are always received and are always carried by him on our behalf. And so there's a confidence there. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us uh, for this episode of 20 Minutes in the Text. We really love uh, being here with you all, uh, and we look forward to, to diving in next week with another confirmation verse. We'll see you then. Twenty Minutes in the Text is recorded and produced by Andrew Nelson and Mason Veith at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in St. Peter's, Missouri. Andrew and Mason are friends, theologians, and brothers in Christ who find great joy in sharing the gospel message. Join us for Christ's Word, commentary, and conversation, 20 minutes at a time. We hope you enjoy the show.